right, we are back. Another edition, a return to grace, if you will, for Deep Space Nine at 7.30-ish. Yes, I am your host, Jeff, not Logical Mater tonight, coming to you live with my brother, Dave Mater. We also have co-host Jamil Robinson, Davin Skellhorn, and Majoran workers, Kevin and Ashley Millard. How are you guys? It's been a while. It's been a minute. For, uh, How was Riza? It was good. It was Riza. It was nice. We did some dancing. We did some boogaloo. We did some... Jamaharon. Jamaharon. We did some wakeboarding. <laughs> we did all that. Uh, but we're back here on the station, ready to talk about the Cardassians, the Bajorans, and the Klingons here in this episode. Season 4, episode 14, Return to Grace. It's all about curing Dukat, guys. And it's we're going to bring back. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I think it's maybe someone that might be the Millard's uh, speaker. But that's okay. Uh, we here are, we're here to talk about Kira and Dukat mostly and their relationship, a little bit of Zial, and, and kind of break down what's going on in this mission where they, they go on a revenge plot, which is always a good, a good concept for an episode. Dave. Yep. First thoughts on this episode. What comes to mind? What do you like? What do you dislike? Uh, does this episode stand out? It doesn't necessarily stand out, but it is important. Um, it's you know, it's really about these two characters, Kira and Dukat. Uh, it's an it's another part of their ongoing story, of the ongoing saga of the Gold Dukat character as sort of like this weirdly sympathetic villain he he's in this very strange place in this show where you know kira is very honest with him it's like i really don't trust you i really don't like you every time i look at you i can't help but remember you're a murderer but you know i care about zial for you know and so therefore i see some of the good aspects in you at least at this time but uh, jeff the foreshadowing here you know, he says, everything he's lost, he will regain. Everything I have lost, I will regain. Well, that's the thing about mass murderers. They're often charming, manipulative, and um, have a lot of charisma and are able even to win over the people that they oppressed. Uh, Jamil, do you, is Dukat stand out in this way where you kind of come around on him in any way? Is it, does he... The, the, is anything stand out where you go, yeah, he has a point, especially in his conversations, I find when he's talking to Kira about Shakar, which I missed last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> <missed> much. <laughs> <laughs> what, Crossfire, that D Space Nine classic? <laughs> what a terrible name for s- such a, a know-nothing episode, Crossfire. Yeah. There was no cr- crossing or fire. Um, one thing that you see in this episode is how there is so much chemistry between Kira and Dakot in comparison to Shakar and Kira. Right? Oh my gosh, he is a wet blanket. Um, and like there is like there's tangling when Dakot and Kira are talking to each other, where they're they're verbally jousting with each other. Such a such a great um play between the two of them. Um, yeah, it's great. Of, of course, yes. Ducat is a, a charismatic individual, and even with the poison he's he's 
giving you, he's, he's serving you, it's still, you know, it still goes down very smooth. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I, I'll watch, I know very rarely do we get a 60 minute or 40 whatever minute episode of like almost pure Ducat. Like there's lots of episodes that feature him heavily and stuff. But there's always other characters and there's always kind of ins and outs. This episode, he is the star of this episode. I mean, yes, it's a Kira episode, I guess, but not to me. It's it's a Ducat episode. Um, Kevin and Ashley, we'll go to you next. Um, is that how you feel about this episode? Do you feel like this is really showcasing Mark Alimo and all his charisma? Yeah, of, of course it is. This is you're right. This is a Ducat episode, and I love it. I love any episode him and Kira do together that focuses on their relationship i think it's always great okay ashley yeah i mean i love him and i love the two of them together charismatic yes but he also doesn't listen to her and is a gaslighting asshole yes that's true that is true but i love him like he is the best <laughs> i absolutely love him but watching it you're like yikes okay and new here to deep six nine at nine ish we have gull davin the host of Locutors of Track, co-host, um, <clears throat> Davin. Promotion came in. He's legged Davin now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you're I, legged. I, you're... I, I stole a Klingon bird of prey. I, you will be back I, on that Datapa Council before you know it. You, you Don't be you, crazy. I want to speak to the head of the Datapa Council himself. <laughs> but anyway, I got to say, before I say anything, I do love every scene Mark Alimo and Golducott is in. But having said that, Golducott is pure slippery grease. Just putting him and Kira in the same scene together makes me feel gross. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it just gets worse. Golducott's the worst, but there's like I never feel that like twinge of sympathy or understanding or anything for Golducott ever. He's 100% pure slippery slimy grease. And words. Show a little respect. Golducott. Yeah. Show a but he plays it so Gold. well. Yeah. He yeah. plays well, it so well. He does. And okay, the reason why I kind of bring up like the, the, the I think you, you, with a good villain, you have to uh, not only like understand them, but also kind of be somewhat sympathetic toward their way of thinking. Maybe not who they are or what they represent, but toward their way of thinking, which is sometimes awful way an awful way of thinking or it's very power um centric or but at least it like his character makes sense to me like he he he's kind of like a, a maneuvering politician he's a lot like like you could say like kevin spacey in house of cards you know like you kind of come around and be like oh okay you know oh i see where you're going with this dave or, do you, or do you win or Kai Wynn. Yeah. Kai Wynn. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesome characters like um, uh, Frank Cross or. Uh, I didn't say they were wholesome. Kai Wynn. Yes. Yeah. No, I, like, I, um, I think it's, it, it tracks. You know, I think like back then when I watched it the first time, I thought, well, maybe there's a chance that this Golducott can be changed and he can have a redemption here and he can become, he can change, right? You know, like through the power of good will, through osmosis, learning through his daughter here because. You know, we're getting um, this is a kind of a sequel to the episode that came up earlier this season, Indiscretion, which also had paired these two together, where he had to make this like, he's like, yeah, I have to find my daughter. And yeah, I loved this Bajoran woman, Torin Aprem, 
but I got to kill the daughter now because I got all these other kids and my whole family and my life and blah, blah, blah. And so this episode is kind of really like him, like dealing with the aftermath of that and say like, my mother disowned me and my wife left me with all the kids. And now I'm running a freighter. Uh, I, 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 I've, fallen from grace and this whole episode uh, aptly named is like his, him trying to get back to where he you know as soon as he has he sees this opportunity to sort of uh impress the the, his, the higher ups he's like i can get my job back i can get everything back that i've lost but i guess it doesn't fully start off that way it does start off that he wants to get these klingons back for hurting you know, fellow Cardassians for murder, you know, and the Bajorans too. He's sort of into that, but yeah, he's, uh, Dave, he's willing to go what Kira calls a suicide mission to prove a point, basically that these Klingons aren't going to get away with this. I, I can't just let them run away and not at least get shot at, you know, I don't care if I do die. He is at his core, a very like, as much as he's a maneuverer and he wants power for himself. He's also like, like a lot of Cardassians like Garrick, Garrick, um, he he's very proud to be a Cardassian. Jamil, do you kind of does that track? He is. It it absolutely tracks. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he he cares about getting back at the Klingons. The Klingons are just a tool um, to climb up that ladder again, and he's absolutely jumping on it. If if he actually cared about uh, Cardassian people, like. He he would have maneuvered a lot differently. He was out there because he had a point to make, and that point was to get him to where he wanted to be, not necessarily about killing Klingons. And if he was able to get back to his position without killing a single person, he would have done it. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about people enough to 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 do that. Cardassia will be made whole. Well, you you can also tell that this is just his his naked ambition because he starts going on about what he's going to do to Gal Moret when he gets his position back. He's not thinking about the Klingons or Cardassia at all. Mm-hmm. No, he's thinking about the individual relationships that he has that and, he, and he's, that's why he's also so able to compartmentalize like yeah, like murdering millions of Bajorans or when he was when he has that conversation with Kira in this episode where he talks about, hey, thanks for like, you know, stopping me from murdering ZL. <laughs> like just the way he says that, like it's so matter of fact. Like, yes, I understand what you're saying, Davin, that he has um this this side where you just go, yeah, he's a villain and he's a one note villain. But I think he's more complex than just that. I think there's more to him. Um I think he does love certain things that aren't him. I don't think he's like one hundred percent a narcissist. He's ninety nine percent. We'd have to do the math on that. But um, <laughs> to, to 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 preview the uh, next episode of Locutors of Trek coming out in a day or two, um, it's it's about Garrick. But we do in doing so, we touched on Gul Dukat and the history of Dukat's father as well. And what it made me realize in reading the Garrick novel, which is, I guess, considered alpha canon, one of the few novels <laughs> that is. No, be careful about what you um, say about canon. I say it is. Uh, um, he, his father, and 
himself, actually. Dudes love Cardassia, but they also really, really hate the Federation and Cardassians. Um, that his father was the leading voice against any peaceful involvement with the Federation and uh, the Klingons. And in what we see, he kind of shares that. So I'm not so sure that he wouldn't kill the Klingons. Like, that's why he does that. Like, there, there was never a question in his mind. If he got a chance to kill all those Klingons, he was going to do it, I don't think. Um, yeah. Ducats aren't great. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't imagine the apple falls far from the tree in the uh, in the question of Ducat. But it does not. It does. It does fall far from the tree when you talk about Zial, who's definitely um, featured heavily in this episode. Um, Kevin and Ashley, what what do you make of the Zial relationship here? Do you think that this is the start of her going more toward like? Kira's line of thinking, more of her Bajoran sensibilities and kind of seeing her father for who he is, or is she still um, manipulated and uh, has a blind eye for, for Dukat's manipulations? Well, I, I don't think she ever really sees him for who he is. Um, she she ends up, She's already a lot more like Kira than like Dukat. Just naturally. But she she, yeah... She wants to help him. She wants to be a good daughter, but you can tell she's not. She doesn't have that same fire. Okay, but you know, you say she's more like Kira, but Kira has a lot of fire in her. Like, there's a whole scene in this episode, Ashley, where uh, you know Kira and Zial are talking about their weapons and like, how do you know so much about Cardassian weapons? And um, you know, they're talking about you know. Uh, you know, Kira's like, oh, uh, she says to Kira that you and um, my father are more alike. That's what he says anyway. Then you realize, and and uh, you know, Kira quickly stomps that and says, you know, what 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 his, your father wants is forgiveness, and that's something I can never give him. What did you make of that scene, Ashley? Um, I mean, I, I think I don't know, like. Kira, I don't find Kira and Ducat similar, and I think that's just something he was saying to Ziel. Like, she, I think she is trying to, she really likes Kira, and I think she's trying to have Kira in her life more and is trying to warm Kira up to her father so that maybe Kira will be around more if she can get Kira to forgive her father or to, to at least form some sort of friendship or something. Um. Yeah. Well, Ziel does that thing here in this episode where she kind of says, "Dave, that um, that we that you know he 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 is upset about it." And Kira questions that. She goes, "Is he? Does he? Is he really upset about it?" She he talks about it sometimes, but he, she does that like excuse for him. Oh, but he doesn't talk about it a lot because it's you know too painful, you know. Um, is that just her kind of putting the wool over her own head or is that Ducat being a massive manipulator? What do you think? Um, I think it's her pulling the wool over her own eyes. I think that, uh, yeah, Zial has this blind spot for him. She wants this redemption for him. I think she represents a good chunk of the audience for a lot of this because I think the fact that the gold Ducat 
was like this and still is a very popular character with the fans but back in like the 90s when this was on the first run it was it was um like they they talk about how Ducat was so much more popular and Garrick was sort of like not and now like 20 something years later it's quite the opposite where Garrick is looked at as the much more favorable character and Ducat is seen kind of for the villain that he is you know and I think when we were going through it in real time we're like well, yeah, he's like he was the prefect of the of the occupation. He did all these things, but he's also been an ally to them at certain times. He's been, you know, and and um, and Star Trek is a show and a franchise that loves to make friends with its old enemies. Hence, the Klingons and other other uh, adversaries. Even the Borg have become friends to the you know Starfleet at times. And so, I think that you know we're kind of there's part of that uh, uh, the fans that wanted to see that, but. Uh, if you've seen all of D Space Nine, I don't think you can really think that about Goldacott, you know, as a finale because he's he within a season of this, he'll he'll have his big turn, and he'll he'll just just add to the pile, you know, he'll just dig himself further and further into the hole until there's no redemption for Goldacott. He's only really, he's only really their ally when it serves his purpose, right? Yeah. Alliance of convenience. Sometimes it's like he's just doing his job, though. Like sometimes, like it's just like, oh yeah, like I'm the guy for Cardassia, Cisco. You need to find these ships, and Cardassia needs to find this, so I'll help you do it. But yeah, you're right. He is serving a purpose by doing that because it's yeah, he's getting closer with Cisco or, or the Federation, and so he could use that to an advantage down the road. He's very very calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamil, uh, I was going to ask you about. The Dukat Kira, whenever they seem to work together, they seem to do a good job. They seem to really be very innovative, innovative, um, very uh, creative, uh, and always kind of put good plans together and kind of check each other as far as when it's strictly business, as is mentioned in this episode. Do you think they, you know, if they didn't have all this personal baggage, um, you know, like mass murder. Um, do, do you think? Do you think that 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 they would make a good like bridge crew team? So both of them are are military minded individuals who have great instincts, and so of course you put um, two tactical minds on the same bridge crew. You know, stuff's gonna happen, right? Right. Um, so. Uh, of course, there's going to be a quality of um, <laughs> there's an upgrade in terms of Damar <laughs> and Dakot <laughs> and Kira, but at the same time, their agendas don't align. So, anytime a conflict is going to happen, there's going to be they're not going to be on the same page, and eventually, there's going to be a situation that occurs where there's going to be a disagreement that they can't get past. So, no, they cannot be uh, a quality bridge crew together. I'm not, well, and I'm not even talking about personal relationship business. I'm talking about making a decision to do a plan of action. Kira isn't the, the scrappy individual who's living day to day trying to survive and doing what she needs to do, right? right? She's, she's past that point. And at the same time, I, I don't think either version of Kira would be able to work with Dukat and his agenda. 
because they'll see through it and eventually there's going to be a situation where they can't get past it. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, uh, Davin, we'll go to you on, the, on this next question. He's, he's um, chomping at the bit. He's chomping at the bit. He's ready to get in here. What do you think of Ducat's, his little jabs at Kira throughout this episode where he says, I like your friend Shakar. He was quite the ladies' man. He, like, he would, <laughs> we he had would... quite the file on his conquest, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Elaborate on on um, on what he's yeah, doing okay. here and why he's doing it. Honestly, I don't know what his plan is with her in this episode. I mean, he he's basically negging her at first. Um, but when he gives her that big speech about how she needs to join him because in her heart she really wants to, even though everything in her head is telling her no. He's like, but there's probably like some tiny little yes in there somewhere amongst all that sea of of no. And, and f- oh, follow that. Listen to that. Yes. You know, like, but like she's just stunned by all this bullshit he's saying. And <laughs> yes. I think like she's acting where you could take it as in like she's kind of taken aback by how profound his words are. But I think she's actually stunned by how idiotic it all is. And then another guy comes in and interrupts before she can respond. But I think she was about to be like, what are you even talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I don't know what his plan I was. With her. Behave rationally. I think he just likes to feel superior in a lot of ways with Kira. It just comes from a place of, um, oh. what you think the Shakar is so great. He sucks. And we just, talked about how much he does suck and uh, we, we'd much rather watch this episode than watch her with Shakar. Kevin, you were nodding your head. How much does Shakar suck and how much better is Dukat? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Dukat is better. He's better for the show. Yes, right. Shakar sucks. Shakar That's sucks. for sure. I, I, I don't even know how to say it any more plain than that. Beverly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he sucks as Ronan too. He's ghost fucker. <laughs> um, I like though. I like though because uh, Kira always gives it right back to Dukat. Like when uh, he's going on about Shakar and how much he was a ladies' man, and we had quite the file. And she says, "Well, if that's the records you were keeping, no wonder you lost." Like I, I love when she says stuff like that, or when he at the end he's like, "Did you even consider it?" And she was like, "No, no." <laughs> <laughs> You know that's his game at a club. What you saw yeah. there was his game at a club. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he starts head, with the negging. He's like, in your head, you just say no, 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 but don't listen to it. Listen to the yes in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like then listen he, to the, that then devil. He slips something in the drink. Just walk away from this dude. This dude Gold- is bad news. <laughs> think Goldicott would be a date raper? What? Of course. Look at yeah, that man. That's- I think he would be. I, think, I, I don't know. I think he. I don't know if his ego would allow him to date rape somebody. The reason why I say that is because he he gets off on like like manipulation more. I don't know more than anything. That's what I I find with him. Um, Kevin, it's hard to get. Too. He'd be more of a stalker. Yeah, like he he was. He was nagging her, and then he was hitting on her, and she said, "Don't do that." And then he gaslit her and was like, "Oh, you misunderstand me. That's not what I was doing." And then she <laughs> went off and talked to someone else, and then she came back, and what is he doing? Hitting on her again and being creepy after she said no. 
No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. It, I, I get vibes that this dude, as a last resort, would totally drug her. And then the next day, go, oh, oh I was drugged too. We must right. have been drunk together. Or, some some yeah, elaborate play. <laughs> or the next day, be like, I, know I don't know what you're talking about. Microscopic, so, yes, remember. I don't know if he's the Bill Cosby of Star Trek. I don't know if I would go that far. Oh, uh, oh, <laughs> oh. It was the pudding, I swear. Oh. It was it was it was the yamming sauce. I don't know. Don't know about the yamming sauce. <laughs> Jake. Definitely would have been I don't think you could put anything past him, though. <laughs> Chico! Having Bajoran don't. sex slaves is a pretty blunt instrument. <laughs> yeah, like, normally, I don't think that Dukat has to resort. I think he just likes a hard-to-get person. I think the whole thing about him saying, everything I've lost, I will regain, could also, like, um, the fact that he had a relationship with Kira's mother, Kira Maru, uh, and that, you know, he lost that. Yeah, I hate that. Worst, the worst episode. Well, it's better than the making them a former relationship, at least, which is what they were going to do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, so yeah. But I think that that's part of the obsession with Kira, sort of a retroactive writing thing, and that you know anybody who turns him down, he's just like, "Ooh, you want you want to turn me down? Me, Gold Ducat?" <laughs> right. And so then he must make it his mission to make the that person's life insufferable. Major. Until- oh. <laughs> I think I have the perfect analogy. He is the Pepe Le Pew of Star Trek. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He might be the Pepe Le Pew. Oh, you're resisting. Oh, you are just a frisky little card. Like, yeah, that's that's Gold Ducat. Yeah, because we never got to see his wife, his real wife, Gold Ducat. So we don't know what her story was or what their relationship was, but presumably it wasn't that strong. And no. then, you know, but when he was at the grave for Tor and Prem, Ziel's mother, he seemed really broken up about it. Uh, as much as Gold Ducat can get broken up about anything, it's the closest we ever saw to him being really like saddened by something, you know? Um, was that an act? Like a child losing a child? Yes. Toy. Maybe not, but at that point he was still planning on murdering his daughter. True. Right. <laughs> right. So how broken up could he be? Yeah. Right. Not at yeah. all. Everything yeah, he does in front of Kira is an act. Yeah. But that's the closest we ever saw him to him loving somebody else, really. I guess Zial is the other example, because he does seem to legitimately care about Zial. Zia when Zial spoiler alert, but yeah, uh, you know, she gets murdered by Damar. Uh who it, showed her fun fun knife tricks. Right. He also um, disowned her like four times, just over like anything. You're staying on the station this weekend. You are not my daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for my son and all my sons, not the daughters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just all our sons. Yes. Uh, but but okay. when Zial is murdered, that is the only time I f- I find where Ducat actually shows true empathetic emotion. For anyone other than himself, and it's still for himself because he like he lost his daughter, right. the one he spared. It's still him. Uh, you could argue that, but in, in some way, I do think he is upset that that I think that was the turning. But that's what made him go full, full, full heel. He was already like two fulls, but he went not so after that. And then you know, so that that's when he went with the paw race, and then we get to toward the end game, but. You know, so this kind of sets up a lot of that, Dave. Uh, 
yeah. do you do you feel that it does a good job here like where like because sometimes in some ways i do feel that ducat's empathy comes out of nowhere because like he is shown as such a manipulator he is shown as such a calculated guy but then he does care about zialba like not really anybody else nope yeah and, and like looking back on it like i was way too sympathetic to him in the first run like in the first version my first viewing of this story 20 years ago looking back at here like yeah he's clearly a bad guy he's written so much like a bad guy he has like his redemption is not there it never was i wanted to see it maybe at the time and so i think like looking back on it i'm like it's really it's really smart though how they set it up because i think that the whole thing with kira and zial and the fact that like that was maybe his path to redemption that seemingly was there like i said like we star trek loves to take the old the, who yesterday's bad guy and make them tomorrow's good guy or at least your ally for tomorrow or whatever um you know like so you thought maybe that's where it was headed but nope it's he's gonna pull them into the dominion and start one of the most massive wars of all time yeah we have a comment here from jeremy he says gold Ducat has a messiah complex he's constantly annoyed that people don't recognize his greatness Kind of sounds like a president that we used to <laughs> see south of the border. But he also says, pudding with a chloroform twist. That was the... Pudding with a chloroform <laughs> twist. Uh, so. uh, Yamak pudding, maybe. Yamak pudding. <laughs> it sounds gross. Cardassians hate the cold, though, so don't serve it chilled. Uh, Davin, uh, a little bit on this kind of here at the end where Kira's talking to Zial about how you need to learn to hate, you know, you, that's what you're going to, more than you hated the Breen, you're going to have to learn to hate the Klingons, and do you want that for yourself, and all all that kind of stuff that you're asking. That's what, what they do, do in his family. That's right. That's what they do in his family. They hate Klingons. They, they, they think Klingons in the Federation, well, they basically think the Federation is a disease, and as soon as you're infected, by the federation disease you basically need to be cut off like a diseased limb it's like root beer and they yeah yeah it's like root beer quite insidious um and they're the klingons are just their dogs basically so that's what they do they they hate on the klingons they hate on the federation zl1 you know i think this is the last time we get to see zl1 um probably my second favorite zl it's true. I don't know about you guys. You guys I agree, but the second one is only in one episode. I think. I think there's an argument to speak. There's an argument, maybe a fan theory, that ZL is actually a changeling. <laughs> <laughs> I would explain the rapid aging. I would. And the, and the, the, look, the, the looks that change, you know, from episode to episode. Um, <laughs> may, or maybe a. Uh, What's uh what's Weyun's uh race? Vorta. A Vorta, a version of a Vorta, where they just keep bringing back ZL and slightly different. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Anything kind of standing out here for you guys as far as um Dukat Kira, uh, and their relationship kind of moving forward? Like, do you, does it? What else does this set up, um, Dave, for you? This man. Casey orders. Biggs, Sorry. Damar. 
Damar. Okay, well, yeah, because all these characters are very interlinked later on with, yeah, Damar killing Zial. We this have... is his first appearance. He's nothing more than, um, he was like the first officer of some boring freighter. And because he was right time, right place, he got to like be by Ducat's side. And then he got to become the eventual leader of the Cardassian government. And then the Cardassian resistance against the Dominion mm -hmm. and all these other things. Right. Um, what like, does that say about Ducat? Does he, did, did, we've never really seen him have a right hand man. Like, does nobody like him? That would make sense. No, no one likes him. Right. Even um, his, even Damar kills his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Damar barely <laughs> likes him. Damar, Damar grows to hate him too. Yeah. Cardassian the, society's very hierarchical. And uh, Casey sorry, Biggs uh, was, uh, above you. I believe, at the time, married to Roxanne Dawson, who oh, was uh, Alana Torres herself. Uh, that was the Roxanne Dawson Biggs of it all, if you will. Although they are no longer uh, together, as far as I understand. Um, where can I find my? I guess I guess someone's forehead ridges had to win out, and Demar, Demar's got took the cake. You know, Demar's right. first name is Korat. No, what's Ducat's first name? Screen. 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 It's not canon though. Yeah, it's it totally it's not... is. <laughs> 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 we're, we're, we don't want to go there here on Tuesday Night at Nine ish. Devin, we've had multiple conversations about the canon. We all know where everyone stands. Dave, I'll, I'll die on this. Hill. I'll Dave is got. Dave has it as Bible, but it's only TV shows. I would love to accept them as canon, but it's not accepted. Jamil says it doesn't matter. This, this doesn't book matter. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, but it's it, it doesn't matter. Everyone, tune into the next episode of Locutors of Trek and then decide for yourself. Jeff, yes. Did you enjoy? Their, uh, the wonderful job the writers did in inserting Worf into the lives of D Space Nine in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally at the beginning, isn't he? And then, like, yeah. he kind of like says, like, hey. report. He's like, Kira, how's it going? Okay, all right, gave me that pad. And then Bashir's gonna do his thing. And this was the most you know. awkward conversation. Uh, from Worf, he's like, uh, "Can I talk to you?" Uh, okay, so uh, we've we've shared some military stuff with the Bajorans and with the uh, Klingons, but never with the Cardassians. So we don't kind of want them to know that. Can you uh, not? Uh... I just want to. I just want you to guys watch Kira's run here at the end of this little thing. Watch it. Watch her go. <laughs> she was not. <laughing> <laughs> I love it. Which I always thought was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> anyway, she wiped out Grace. on an attempt. I she bet was. there's a deleted scene where she just totally wiped out. Yeah, that was the best take. They, oh, she's they a did dancer. Three. Dancers don't wipe out. <laughs> just, uh, just uh, Bashir. I'm glad I'm not going to Cardassia. Yeah, you, you bet. <laughs> See you next episode. See you next episode, Bashir. There's no James Bond holodeck I'm episode for you. Worf's. I'm sure, I'm sure they won't. And she's like, they're kind of happy about this list. She's, oh, I'm sure they won't. <laughs> it's like this delivery on that. Oh, and then um, Bashir also gives us a tip. He says, uh, the vaccines are beginning to work. So, a little foreshadowing for 2021. Um, okay. 
You don't see melon <laughs> spots? Yeah, I see melons all through the air, Jeff. That's how you know it's working. That's how you know. Uh, they must have cured 5G by then. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, should we talk a little bit about the end of the episode where the they bring the bird of prey home here to the station? I, I mean, love how shields don't immediately go up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh what do they want? <laughs> Especially a bird of prey, even after they figure out it's Ducat, they should still put the shields up. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah, you can cloak. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, Cisco just kind of like stares and he's very calm. He's just like, all right. Okay. I'm not gonna go watch a baseball game or something. Uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> He's just like, I'm barely in this episode. I don't care. Yeah, I'm not directing <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, okay. I don't know what else to go here on this episode. It's not it's not an overly like earth-shattering episode. It's not an overly memorable episode, but it is important and it's worth talking about. Uh what did you think yes. of the old switcheroo? The old ship switcheroo. Right, the old switch switcheroo. Okay, well, let's ask you, Deb. What did yeah, you yeah. make of the old ship switcheroo? That's a pretty good trick, actually. I thought the uh, like the first part of that is really ballsy. Where you're just like, okay, how are they going to make this work? And all of a sudden, just like Kira and Ducat beam over and just start kicking the crap out of Klingons. That was like the first start of their plan. He's like, we need a, we need a good plan, and that's what they do. Yeah. It should have been Ducat getting his ass whipped, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of Klingons just kicking his ass. But Kira still accomplishes the mission, but he just gets, yeah. Kira just waits a bit, and then she's like, I guess. They totally stole this move from Kirk, right? (laughs) In Star Trek 3. Yeah. It was very familiar. (laughs) Well, hating Klingons. You gotta go from the book of uh, Kirk, man. And like, oh, and Dukat and Kirk have very much in common where, you know, in Kirk's instance, they killed my boy. You mean, and then don't believe him. Don't, don't trust them. Don't them. trust him. And then I, don't Ducat, know if I would compare Duc- Kirk to Ducat, though. Oh, I think you can. I think I think that's I I mean both shows are, you know, kind of like Ducat's wants to be the center of the stage and Kirk just abandoned it. Uh, you know. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Ducat and William Shatner, but <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that was kind of where I was going. That was, kind of, yeah, maybe not Kirk. Mirror um, Kirk. Yeah, it was a pretty good guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Mirror Spock. You got to watch out for. <laughs> uh, Jeff, do you agree that for yeah. a race of warriors, they, these Klingons get beat up easily? Yeah, I, I love that the Klingons are the greatest warriors, and yet every time they go up against a Bajoran, a Cardassian, or a Cuban, they lose. <laughs> every time. Well, remember, these are the garbage warriors who are, like, hitting outposts, right? Like, undermanned outposts looking for glory. Come on. Like, I, don't know, I think that's a Klingons. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, for the most part, Klingons are not that great at combat. I think we see a lot of them, like it's like pretty much the people who are captains or like war for of, of a high class are good 
which makes sense. It's kind of like Romans, right? Like I'm sure most of the peasant Romans sucked at combat, but the soldiers were amazing. And, you know, but only like maybe like the really good soldiers. I, I don't know. Do you, do you kind of follow that logic, Davin, on that one? Does that kind of make sense with the... I think they're not that great. Yeah, well, there's also a lot of ways to get a Klingon ship. Like it's not like the Starfleet where you don't have to go through the ranks. You can just your family may have ships or you can kill your superior officer. There's a lot of ways to lead a Klingon ship. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the uh, the upper echelon or cream of the crop at the top of these. Oh, uh, this is a ship here. full of uh, a ship full of Alexanders. Well, yes. And but certainly you know, it's very it's it's also very likely, at least from what we see of Cardassian and Federation culture, or at least Starfleet. Most Klingons probably aren't as well trained combat as your average Starfleet officer or Cardassian soldier. Certainly not Cardassian soldier. They're very well trained. Um, so oh, you know, right. maybe okay. they're overhyped Klingons. They're just aggressive, you know, and they have <laughs> cool looking weapons. Well, okay, we're right, right. Klingons. <laughs> Bra, man, let's get some glory. <laughs> Klingon blood runs. But a skilled Klingon is very formidable. Yes. Well, right after they take the Klingon ship, um, you know, Dukat's going on, you know, about how magical it was and what a great plan Kira came up with and all that. And she's like, it's nothing magical. I just knew the transporter codes and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then that kind of turns, you know, like he's like, I was giving you a compliment. And then he turns it around basically and goes, you're the terrorist, you know, like, you know, like all of a sudden, like the language and the vernacular changes from Dukat towards Kira. And I think, yeah, a lot of Dukat is just a lot about ego and id and like all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know where he he chooses to kill the 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 Klingons, right? Because he goes, you know, he beams them over. They beam them over to their ship, and then he destroys his own ship here. And she kind of goes, "Is that necessary?" And he goes, "You tell me. You're the terrorist." And I don't know. I I couldn't tell if she approved or not or disapproved. Really, like where she she obviously wasn't that beat up about it too much, really, because since all those Bajorans did die as well. Yeah. See, this is kind of where I kind of disagree with Kira. See, this is where I I don't agree with like this. She's a good, righteous person all the time because sometimes I think she is willing to do really fucked up things in the name of vengeance, mm-hmm. and that is very clearly shown in the show multiple times. Where if the ends justify the means, she has a lot of Machiavellian um, tendencies, and I think Dukat calls her out here a little bit. You know, as as a psychopath would to. To somebody that is deluded, I think. Uh, Jamil, does that track for you? <laughs> it tra- tracks absolutely. <laughs> it tracks absolutely. Um, he he does not fully understand her her thoughts about killing, um, <clears throat> and can't technically rationalize it with the way that he approaches it. Right? She did it to survive. Right? Because she wanted to 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 last another day, she had to, right? There was no and ifs or buts, right? He's doing it because full time job. <laughs> He's like <laughs> lunch pail time, right? It, <laughs> absolutely, it's 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 his is it's his um like the conquest, like f- for the way he talks, 
he would be a perfect Klingon. The way that he boasts about glory and yeah. how magnificent he is, right? It's it's kind of funny his thought process. Well, he does say some, a little speech in this in this uh, episode where he says, "The little we have left, you know, I'm not afraid to go get it." And and uh, Kira says, "You sound like a Klingon," and he, you know, like she says that exact thing kind of to him. And, you know, he goes, I'm the only Cardassian left that's willing to stand against the Klingons. As David has pointed out that it's kind of like his life mission to make Cardassia strong and strong enough to not be subservient to the Klingons in the Federation. Whereas, you know, it's ironic that he's telling this to Kira, who the Bajorans were that way toward the Cardassians. So it's kind of the, the, you know, the chicken calling the egg, you know. Doesn't it sound exactly what we were just hearing um, during the Sword of Kalis episode? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's exactly the same. Yeah, well, okay, so this is a great comment here from Jeremy. He says, Tukat is one of those people that thinks the universe owes them something, and Kira can be a remorseless stone-cold killer. Um, yeah, I think there's truth in in that statement, uh, Jeremy. I also think that Kira can, can sometimes... Um, she she doesn't care sometimes about like it's not the the value of the life especially if those you know everyone on that ship is guilty in her mind a lot of times she throws guilt around to everybody that was involved in, in the Cardassian occupation and some some of those people are absolutely at fault but it's kind of like what we argue like you know in, in wars you know is every soldier that put on a Nazi uniform as evil you know, as a clips here, like when she said, None yeah. of us liked killing, we were fighting for our freedom. Yeah, and then she also, um, uh, full time for 50 years, you raped our planet and you killed our people, you lived on our land and you took the food out of our mouths. And I don't care whether you held a phaser in your hand or you ironed shirts for a living, you were all guilty and you were See? all legitimate targets. Iron See, shirts, <laughs> this is the type of stuff where. It's not, I don't think that, I don't think, like, she pretends to be righteous, but I feel like this is not righteous at all. I, 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 you know, to act like, you know, if you're occupied and you think it's okay to just, yeah, go kill whoever because... Or iron shirts. Or iron shirts. Yeah, go kill a baker because, you know, you're, you're helping out this occupied uh, force. I don't really agree with that. I don't think that's where you should put your focus. Um, but I understand the anger. I understand where she's coming from. But that statement comes back too. In the, it wasn't in the your world. Series. Wasn't hers. If it was, it's not your world. You get the hell off, or she's gonna blow you up. So she's trying to make Bajor great again. Mm -hmm. Fifteen she million Bajorans died during the occupation. I, a lot of this stuff with the Cardassians and the Bajorans, I see a lot of parallels to like Israel and Palestine, and 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 it's and, and it's just sometimes it, it just kind of it, it's it, there's no right answer, you know, with a lot of these arguments, you know, they're 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 tough things to talk about, and uh, you can look at it from even the most evil Dukat perspective or like the most um, deluded, deranged, angry, emotional kind of perspective that kira kind of brings it from uh from I, I i when she says she doesn't like killing I, whenever she 
you know, whenever there's an episode where there's like her old buddies that were in the resistance with her, they often talk about like, remember when we did that? Remember when when we blew up that ship or whatever? They seem to be they seem to enjoy it. I don't know, Dave. Do, do, do you think that's kind of that tracks a little bit, or is it? I don't know. I don't necessarily buy what Kira's saying, what she's selling when she says that. Uh, yeah, I think that they. I think so. I think that the um they had to um be for the cause. I think. I think that like. I think what you're struggling with is it. You know, is Kira Kira and are all these res- was there like the resistance, the Bajoran resistance, completely morally right and maybe not maybe they had to do some not so moral things that yeah. it's a bit more of shades of gray it's one of the things d space nine did the best of star trek but in this time in this especially in the 1990s with the with how tv is supposed to work and ducat's a bad guy and she's a good guy so therefore she's always going to be right at the end of the day is part of the issue here is because well, yeah, like I think that they do do some sort of questionable things, Shakar and the rest of them, right? But on the other hand, their people don't seem to condemn them for it. They seem they see them as heroes, um, you know. And uh, and it seems like the Starfleet characters largely agree uh, that that what the Bajoran Resistance had to do to earn back their freedom was justified. Um, and so and but they don't like the Maquis. No, but they the Mar- really hate the Maquis. Maquis personal for them, um, right? You know. Right. Well, this, but that's exactly the point, Dave. That once it's personal, then the emotions kind of overtake any cloud of judgment. Like, yeah, the Federation could come in as this third party and go, "Yeah, we agree with the Majorans." You know, they that was their land, like that was their planet. You know, get out of here, Cardassian. On the other hand, you know? it's not like the Federation invaded Bajor and won them back their freedom or yeah. liberated them. They they didn't. Uh, the Federation kind of let this go went let this go on for fifty years too. You know, right? Um, and so it wasn't as simple as, well, the good guys are going to come in and save the day. It was, it was obviously more complicated than that. I think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed, yeah. you know. Um, but we have the- a, a policy of non-interference as well, right? Right. And Bajor is not a member planet. True. Yeah. Not yet. Not if Shakar has anything to say about it. Jeremy says here, your youth is your youth. No matter how bad it is, you look back on it with some fondness. Um, I, I can understand uh, the sentimentality of kind of what I was saying before about Kira and all her, her old terrorist buddies, I guess you could say. Uh, resistance um, is the word that's often used to here. Um, I guess it's all perspective of what you what word you use. If you're Cardassian, you're going to use the terrorist word. If you're the Federation side of things, you're going to use resistance. You know, they, right. they, they also won. So there would be some pride in that as well. Yes. That they would reminisce about. Absolutely. Absolutely. But do you agree? They draw hard lines. And and that's what she's trying to explain there. And she tries to explain to Ducat later when they don't want to attack a base that Cardassians are guarding and stuff. She's just like, no, they're they're all collaborators. If they're in there, they're all collaborators. And those are the hard lines that she draws in her draw. So they don't feel bad about likely, you know, too much guilt about killing Bajorans and certain situations that they had to do because they were collaborators. If that's how she feels, if that's how she felt then, then she shouldn't have a problem with Ducat blowing up his ship full of Klingons because they're collaborators. They destroyed a... But is that... 
They're part of the Klingon. Is, They're out is there that doing a that. Good they comparison. shouldn't have a problem. She shouldn't have a problem. And Dukat did the right thing. He allowed those Klingons to die in glorious battle instead of flounder in dishonor and defeat. Woof! That's that's 100% true. <laughs> that's a good point. They all went to Stovacor. That's He's a sure. hero, really. He's basically a Klingon hero, Goldukat. Yeah. Yes, he is. And, and, and Dukat would love that. He would have been like, I'm a hero? Yeah, He's I'm a hero. Statue in the Hall of Heroes right next to Kang. That would be a, my greatest honor, sir. Oh, that would be my greatest honor, sir. Uh, besides dying in battle, that would be my, my greatest, 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 greatest honor. honor. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, you're right. You did the right thing. They had a greatest, um, greatest honors then. <laughs> you, you've won me over. Uh, <laughs> everyone can agree. Everyone can feel good about themselves. The people who died. The yeah, everybody. Everyone. Everyone won. Really just a, it's really just a feel good story. It is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful uh, episode. I mean, it really, it's like the Shawshank Redemption of Star Trek. I mean, uh, it really is. <laughs> I think we've uncovered um, some truths here. Yeah, I think, I, th I think we figured out what this is a hidden gem. That's what they should have called this episode. Um, anything else? We need to here take to this information to the, the top of council themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Zial here will stay on the station and Odo approves. He's, you know, chief of security. So, you know, huh? he's, he's got a, he's always on I the thought he was putting some distance between him and Kira. He'll still do anything for her, though. Yeah. And he, they, you know how often they, like, it seems like they end episodes on the top level of the promenade a lot. A lot. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's this nice is another view. example. It's a nice view. Yeah. It's a, now we're staying out the window at a green screen. But it's always nice. When they when they switch the alls, can we refer to this Zial as Priol? <laughs> Priol. Pre yeah, I'm not a fan of this. And it won't be confusing. It won't be as confusing. She's an okay Zial, but the I don't know. We'll see how we compare the Zial offs uh, later. But Jeff, Next on this upper level, yes. On the upper level, of the promenade. Do you and I've learned from playing Star Trek Online and visiting Deep Space Nine? Mm. There's nothing going on on that upper level. That upper level is just windows. It's, there's no stores up there. There's nothing exciting. There's a second level of quarks you can get into from there. But beyond that, you would never want to be on the second level. You would want to be Use it to have a good view of the bottom level. That's the only thing it's good for. Dangling your feet. There's more well, going on at the second moving for more than like <laughs> you stop moving for more than like 15 seconds on the upper level, you're called loitering and Odo makes you move. Yeah, Odo's going to chase you off. That second level, there's get more going on at on the Maple View Mall second level than there I, is. I think, uh, there, I think there's there's a couple chairs, you know, here you can see here at the end of this episode. You know, I'll show you guys. Oh, that's quarks. That's second level of quarks. I already mentioned that. Beyond the second level of quarks, there are no <laughs> other chairs. You got some nice artwork. Look at the fishies. You can see those on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you can't truly appreciate them from the lower level. The lower I decks. The Who lower decks. The carpet. Yeah, if you got to vacuum the carpet, there's some nice views of of. Uh... Yeah, it's good for hanging. Yeah, it's good for hanging. Yeah, Jake, Jake, oh, and him, hang and him your and... legs over. You can hang yourself. 
that happens a couple you can, times. You can jump <laughs> only off Vedics, of it. Only Vedics like to use it for hanging. Good hanging there. there. Yeah. Um, you can knock a Klingon over it, and he can die in a glorious fall. I if think. you're Keiko and you're possessed by a paw wraith, you can do a swan dive off the edge. Uh, there's miles. things. There are things to be done on the upper level. That's yeah. the point. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much the episode here, guys. Um, Double F us, Jeff. Oh God, I didn't even get ready. I'm sorry, guys. You're gonna uh, talk amongst yourselves. Banter, Davin. Uh, you, you always got something to say. <laughs> I was no, just, just demoted. Somebody from the <laughs> Central Command must be watching. <laughs> He's in Glenn now. Uh-oh. Uh, I got a detailed discovery by Dave. I don't think uh, I should say anything more, quite frankly. <laughs> Jeff, the American online newspaper known as the AV Club called... Um, praised Marco Limo in this episode for his ability mm. to make Ducat charismatic, slimy, and yet weirdly sympathetic, which has helped make the character one of the best villains in Trek history. Yeah, no, he definitely like straddles the line where you like him, but he's awful. Yeah. It's that's very difficult to do. Like, that's not an easy task. Like, he has I, no redeeming characteristics at all, but you but, like him anyway. But but you like him and you want to watch more of him. You know, like, and you're not like you don't really hate him. You're kind of like, all right, just I'm along for the ride. I'm watching you. You're awful, but I'm watching you. You know. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, Tom Benko, the editor, writer, director, and production manager for this episode, his original idea for this episode came from the question of what might have happened if the Jews and the Nazis were forced to work together after World War II. See, I was kind of thinking about this during this episode. I was like, when you mentioned, um, like, uh, Davin, that they're both good military strategic people, I was like, well, yeah, what if, like, yeah, Hitler and FDR were in a room and they had to solve something together? It's kind of what this was like to me. It was like, I don't know, just <laughs> you did, strange bedfellows, I guess you could say. All right. Um, Human characters receive only about two minutes of screen time. All of the characters in the rest of this episode are from alien races. Again, another thing Deep Space Nine did way better than any of the other shows. Hmm. Uh, diversity. Diversity. POCs got their due. Uh, this hmm. is the second and final appearance of Sia Batten, who played Ziel here in this episode. Um, she also, uh, her next, sorry, her next appearance is in for the pre all for the cause. That'll be uh, the next time she plays. Wait, what's the middle Z all going to be called? She, she, um, I don't know. That's for Davin to come One up and with. Done. She, one and done. <laughs> she is played the next episode. She is played by Tracy Middendorf and all subsequent appearances. Melanie Smith embodies the role. Ms. Batten, like many other performers, can, can be seen in other Star Trek series, Enterprise and Voyager, as other species. Yes. Middle Zeal was also in the Quickening episode. She's the... Uh, oh, is that her? Lady. Same one? Mm. Yeah. All the, all the, uh, we're, 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 when we, we get in all three Zeals, we can look back and go, which, who was the, the most Zeal of them all? A, B, or Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the comparison between the Cardassian phaser rifle and the Federation phaser rifle would be very similar to the comparison between the Soviet era AK-47 and the American M-16. The Soviet weapon was simpler and could handle rough treatment, whereas the American weapon was more complex. 
I liked this scene. I thought it was good because it was like kind of throwing some shade at the Federation technology, saying like, yeah, like, oh, it can do all these things, but then it can make your coffee or whatever. But then, you know, you know, when when it comes down to it, Kira's like, in a firefight, you just want something that works. Um, and just, you know, you pull it and fires. And uh, I, you want, I, you want an AK. Yeah. Yeah. You know, similar to her, she's like, you know what the best way of, to get out of a knife fight, uh, Zial? Don't get in one. <laughs> It'd be That's awesome the- if Lower Decks did the uh, every time they went to do a phaser rifle, it was broken or it didn't work. There's <laughs> <laughs> malfunctions. <laughs> Something goes wrong with it. Lower Decks has so get such a great long runway of endless jokes. They could run. They could do the. They could be on like The Simpsons for thirty years. Um, okay, uh, the model of Ducat ship, the Grumal, was designed by production artist Johnny Eves, who had just joined the staff uh, of DS9. His initial design drew inspiration from the Cardassian warships previously seen on the series. Uh, the production felt it looked too militaristic. I think it looks just like a ribbed dildo. <laughs> it looks more impressive than the Bajoran <laughs> ship, though. That that uh, that that Shakar showed up on last week. Those Bajoran ships are weak sauce, man. At least these these Cardassian ships, even one of his crappy is the Gromal, looks more impressive. The, the producers felt it looked too militaristic and asked him to come up with something more freightier. His new design was based on an oil tanker with a raised bridge at the rear of the ship. The model was uh, later modified to portray a Klingon ship uh, in Sons and Daughters. Eves went on to have a long and successful career with the uh, Star Trek franchise. Dave designing a number of ships, including the Enterprise E. Oh, from this? (laughs) Yeah, you went from this to the Enterprise E. Well, that doesn't surprise me because Enterprise E is so uninspired. Dave's not a fan. You of don't like the racing stripes? No, the Enterprise E is a bad shit. <laughs> bad shit. Uh, like, no, I was specifically talking about the racing stripes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Casey Biggs, who plays Damar, is a member of the Enterprise Blues Band, which writes and performs songs about Star Trek. The other members are Vaughn Armstrong, Richard Hurd, Steve Rankin, William Jones, and Ronald B. B. Moore. Not Ronald D. Moore. D. Moore. Ooh. I get the B. Yeah, this is a B more. Uh, Biggs plays the rhythm guitar and sings some of the backup vocals, which I do think he plays some music at some point within when they go. Well, you back see him like time. in the documentary, in the What We Left Behind documentary, he's like in that uh, barbershop quartet with Armin Shimmerman and Max Grodin right. and uh, right. whatever. Um, yeah, so he, that was probably and, his idea. And he, like I mentioned, he was married to Belana Torres for right. a while. Dave, we have a 47 reference. Do, 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 47. 47. If you know how numbers work, here we go. When Dukat asked Damar how long it, it took to destroy the asteroid during the battle drill, Damar says, 347. Later, <laughs> when Kira shows the disruptor to ZL, she mentions that it has an output rating of 4.7 megajoules. But 4.7 is not the same as 47. It's pretty close. Pretty close. If you know how numbers work. <laughs> It's numerology, Dave. You know it all. De- it all deducts to forty-seven. Deduces. Sorry. Uh, Gull Ducat attempts to convince Kira to teach him and his crew to wage a guerrilla war against the Klingons, based on her previous experience as a resistance fighter during the occupation. Ironically, Kira does wind up teaching Cardassians to be terrorists when she helps Damar in his rebellion against the Dominion during season seven. I'm Kira Nariz, and this is my masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she made a lot of money. A lot of she made a lot of lot, and I'm teaching that. Some people say blowing up a freighter filled with a bunch of Klingons that may or may not have been guilty is bad. I say, oh well. <laughs> I think Ashley already <laughs> determined that he was doing them a favor. Yeah, and we all agree. Hero of this story, guys. She's like, I, I just say what the prophets say. Glory. Glory. Glory awaits you. Uh, during greatest, a scene in the greatest glory. <laughs> during a scene in the teaser with Kira and Dukat before they leave the station, Dukat says, quote, everything I lost, I will regain. It's only a matter of time. This manifests in season five when Cardassia officially joins the Dominion, which in turn gives Dukat back the things he lost. Power, command, Cardassia, etc. Okay. Uh, I think I even have that somewhere. Uh, All that we have lost will be ours again. And anyone who stands in our way will be destroyed. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, I okay. thought it was built by Bajoran slave labor. <laughs> Funny. Uh, okay, Dukat's action in the episode mirror mirror those of Kirk in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. You guys were were right. Uh, in Kirk's case, however, he would be commanding the Federation starship USS Enterprise in what would be his last mission in that movie. Both, however, do confront a Klingon bird of prey in a vessel that cannot fight it directly. In both cases, the Klingon crew is beamed over to the other ship. Dukat also, like Kirk destroys his own ship and commandeers the bird of prey good job so it's a lot of parallels but it's really kira's plan isn't it that it is everything kira they don't really work as a team in this episode kira tells him what to do and he does it he says yes of course yeah. it's kira's plan she found out about kirk in the mirror universe and then <laughs> mm -hmm. when she got back to our universe she started to study Kirk and went, hey, that's a cool maneuver. I'm going to remember that because one Kirk day maneuver. I might need it. The well, thing, thing about Kira is she is insightful and she is intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that is it for Double F, Dave. Uh, let's get to the ratings. All right, let's bring her up. Uh, where is it? Right here. Okay, and bring that into the stream. Okay, and so Jeff, we didn't get your rating last week for Crossfire. Do you uh, do you know what you want to give that yet? Yeah, two and a half. I said you'd be on my side, Jeff. Oh no, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the low. Oh, well, not the lowest. Jamil and Ashley were those. Okay, that brought the rating down for Crossfire to three point six. Okay, oh. do you <sighs> like Return to Grace better, Jeff. Yeah, this episode's good. I'll give this one seven and a half, I would say. Is it fair? Seven and a half. I think that's about fair. I think that's about what it deserves. About a seven and a half. Um, I'm going to give it uh, a 7.2. Okay, Ashley? I'm going to give it an eight. That's eight. Okay, and Kevin? Eight and a half. And Davin? <laughs> He's doing the math. What did I give Crossfire? You gave Crossfire a seven. A surprise. Oh, then I'll give this one a a, a six point nine. Oh, Ooh. one less. Wow. He likes he likes Crossfire better, and he's right. sticking to it. Seven point six is the average. Stuff. 
Yeah. So uh, a rare seven here uh, in season four. Uh, only rejoined uh, coming up here. So that, and then a seven point eight on IMDb. So a bit of a you know close to close to sort of the average. Um, and the other particulars. Jeff, next week return. It's uh, Sons of Moog. Another Wharf episode, right? Wharf. Wharf. But, but more than that, we get Tony Todd uh, himself. That's current. Uh, I don't current. like soft shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's you. You're the rocket uh, man. You're the rocket I want man. my fucking money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> What the Tony fuck Tony. does that have to do with you? Jake Sisko returns. Jake, Jake Sisko in the same season where he like just absolutely killed it. Um, deserves all the praise for that. Comes back that. to play a completely different character. <laughs> uh, like what is this? Ten episodes later. <laughs> so wrong yes. uniform. Yeah, he's wearing. He's, the wrong he's even gonna wear a bajor in uniform. It's one of my favorite uses of the uniform. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Worf? <laughs> uh, the, this thing? I did not play with toys. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, that does the, the ratings, Jeff. So um, you can you can. Take us away. Oh, okay. here. Well, oh. We, he, we got we got another request for a Kern quote, and how can I, how can I turn them down here? Like, <laughs> like scroll up to my case. H A J. Here it is. How long has this bird been dead? It appears to have been lying in the sun for quite some time. I shall try some of your burned, replicated bird meat. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Todd's so great. How did that guy not get him more shit? He's awesome. He's the best man. He's Zoom man. He's uh, he's he's the Candy Man. He's been he's been all kinds of things. Yeah, he was Candy Man. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a Rocket he's, Man. He's a Rocket Man. He doesn't like soft shit. <laughs> Tony Todd not a cel- not as celebrated as he as much as he should be for sure. Yeah, he should, he should be way up there. Um. Okay, so I think that's it. Do it, Dave. What do we have to plug? Uh, well, to come back in less than or just over an hour. We're going to be talking about Star Trek: The Original Series here on Live Long and Podcast, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, um, uh, with our dad Ted Mater and Adam Woodward. And I think that's going to be it. I think Jody's phoning in this rating. Um, so uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, is there in truth no beauty? You know, with Diana Moldar, Jeff, the one who played Pulaski in the second season of Next Generation. Well, she was in a couple original series episodes first, and this is one of them we're talking about tonight. All of them bitches. Yeah. And then uh, also check out later this week on Thursday here on Live Long and Podcast, we'll be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 and a deep dive podcast 
talk about the whole season as a whole. Uh, we got uh, Kevin coming in for that one. Jody's coming in for that one. I think uh, um, I, I, I don't think you and Ashley can make it, but uh, I think Davin and Jamil are going to be uh, joining us for that. Um, so anybody else who's free uh, around 8 p.m. on Thursday can jump in and talk about Star Trek Lower Decks with us uh, talk about that second season. And then also check out our other channel, including Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, where we're going to be uh, we're talking about Survivor right now, Survivor Season 41 many times a week uh wednesdays at 9 30 following the episodes that air there uh going into episode five i think for this week um and our uh, third channel trivial debates where we talk about movies tv sports and more in a monthly game show format that's gonna be falling on halloween i haven't set the host or the contestants yet but i will be uh so watch out for that on uh, the, the probably the morning of october 31st uh which is coming up in just under two weeks what else did I forget? Oh, and Jeff, in a week here on Live Long and Podcast, starting next Thursday, Davin and, and Jessica Chan and I, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, the new animated Star Trek show on Nickelodeon. As that will start to uh, air next Thursday. That sounds great. Is that it? That's it. Um, thankfully, uh, this uh, show um, has wonderful guests, including... One on loan from the amazing show called Locuters of Trek. Trek, Trek, Trek. I was on it last night. There you go. Yep, it's true. Big winner. I was on. I was. I won the trivia. The trouble with trivia is that Scott's the host. I don't know if you realize that. (laughs) (laughs) The trouble. uh, Gotta make the questions harder. (laughs) Yeah, I told you he was. Too yeah, hard. he said he thought we. Yeah, he thought he did it too hard. I said, "Nah, pick it up." Not for Dave. Oh my god! <laughs> next time, next time, Dave. we'll be in trouble. We have played. Ashton, the Millards know this. We have broken out the Star Trek trivia, and it's just a Dave show off fest. <laughs> when it happens, that's yeah. all it is. He knows the turbo lift that Picard took in episode fifteen, season three. I don't know about that one, but I know a lot of the, <laughs> of the things. I pay attention. I watch a lot of Star Trek almost for a living, you know, so it's I'm going to pick some things up. How many times has Kirk been shirtless in the original series? Oh, infinite. At least 47. At least, if not 48. <laughs> I bet you it's under 40. I bet you it's it uh, is under 40. Reference. Yeah, it's under 40. Maximum amount of, time, amount of times allowed under that rating. How many times do you think we saw his belly button? Very few times. Yes, yeah, check out our Garrick episode coming up in a in a day or two. It's gonna be check great. out Locutors of Track. Preview yes. here tonight. That'd be great. Uh, Garrick is a fascinating case study, and uh, I think that'd be a good listen for anybody that's into Star Trek, and mainly you, Jeremy, who is still listening. I don't know how. Uh, and... <laughs> Do I have to? No, it's Thursday. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I don't even know why that that's playing social. He must be. Eh? He does play tonight, yeah. So we're playing after his curling game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And last but not least, check out Eamon's podcast. Let's talk about fighting games where you can find on Spotify or wherever you get your audio podcasts. There you go. Okay. Well, thank you for all of us here at Tuesday's Nine at Nine ish. For Dave Mater, Jamil Robinson, the Bajoran workers, Kevin and Ashley Ballard, and the Locutor of Trek himself, Davin Scalhorn. We say Keep it real here. <laughs> and we also say, Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Glory Whoa. to you. 
Uh, where is it? Glory awaits you on Oh, thank you. <laughs>